like I said earlier, it's it's not easy. I would I would never sugarcoat it. It it's hard, but it, it's worth it. And so I would say just do it. If you feel like that's something that you're called to do and you're kicking the tires around, just trust in the Lord and what you have what he's placed on your heart and just go for it. I would agree with that. I would um, don't judge if you can do this or if you can't do this in the first 90 days. These kids, when they come in their home, in your home, they do know other things. And some of them come from really hard places and they know hard things, not just like, you know, easy things. And so it takes a while to get to know each other and to settle in. And why we do this is not for earthly gain. Uh, our, our hope and our desire is that we have brought each one of these kids that have been into our home to the feet of Jesus. Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Jason, TBHC's president. We're excited you're joining us today to hear stories of how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by, well, this podcast. We are preparing to transition from this name to a brand new name next year, and we're excited about the opportunity it will give to tell more stories that impact our mission. Now, Stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home. Our guests today are Bobby and Stephanie Simons. The Simons have lived in Hearst, Texas since 2016. They were currently foster parents and have one biological daughter named Ella, who is almost seven. They both work full time and have a very busy schedule, but felt the Lord calling them to minister through foster care. Despite their original plans to not have children, they heard the call from God and chose to listen and obey, trusting God to provide for their needs. The Simon story is about being in the hands and feet of Jesus to kids and directing them towards him. They want to encourage people that no one can foster in their own strength, but with the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting in him, anyone can do it. Bobby, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Well, I'm excited y'all are on. Uh, I, I have a, a little bit of an icebreaker question for you. And it, there's, it has to do with a little bit of what you described here. Uh, you didn't plan on having kids. Would y'all kind of elaborate on that for me? Yeah, so I, um, we, had, we had gone on two dates and I, we were on our third date. And, um, and I looked at Bobby and I said, Hey, I just want you to know before we move any further that if you want to have kids, I'm out, I'm not your girl because I can't have kids. And I am really happy, uh, you know, just with where, where I am and uh, we were older already. And so, and I was like, I'm, I'm out. I just want to be upfront about that. Cause you know, that's a big deal to some people. And Bobby said to my surprise, he said, oh no, he was like, that's totally fine. I've got two nieces and I'm good. And you have a niece and a nephew. We're good. So much to our parents' dismay, we, uh, we continued to date and, uh, and get married with that understanding, with that understanding. Um, and now sometimes we have five children. <laughs> so. That's really great. I'll actually reciprocate a little bit that that was a similar conversation my wife and I had. So we want to foster and adopt. So that was kind of our, our introduction to each other with that. So kindred spirits. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, would y'all tell us your bringing kids home story? 
Yeah, so our daughter from probably the age of three kept asking us for a sibling. And uh, she was already a, a miracle child because Stephanie wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. And um, so we told her that probably wasn't going to happen. And then we kind of talked about fostering, but I didn't really think that I wanted to do that um, or maybe adoption. Uh, but we just kind of decided that wasn't for us. And then our preacher at our church um, put out a his vision for our church. I guess it's been two years ago now that he wants to reach nations and generations um so like doing missionary work and going to different nations and um teaching them about the gospel and then also bringing up the next generation here at home to to know the lord and part of that was they wanted 25 families to become foster families and stephanie and i both just really felt like a calling when we went to that it was a, it wasn't a you know a Sunday sermon. It was like a special special night. I think it was a Saturday night where they called the church to come and listen to um, we call him preacher Rick, our lead minister, because uh, he had been off for a month on a sabbatical, and that's what he came back with was this vision. And so we left that night, and we both just felt like that's what we had been called to do. So we talked about it and prayed about it, and went through the licensing process and um, we had our first placement about 10 months ago, a little boy and little girl, and they stayed with us 10 months. And then they just went back to stay with their biological mother a few weeks ago. And so now we're kind of in between waiting for another placement. So, I mean, it was just a, a huge step there before we started recording. One of the things we talked about was how you felt about attachments, about loving kids too much. I wonder if, if you wouldn't share some. So, yeah, I mean, that was really when we initially talked about fostering, that was, uh, Bobby is much more emotional than I am and, uh, and a lot more caring and empathetic. And, um, and he just said, you know, I think I'm going to get too attached. And, um, and I said, well, yeah, I, I think we would all get attached. I mean, one of our concerns was even for our biological child, um, who at, at that point was five. Um, we were like, you know, she's only five. How does she process all of that? And um, we did a lot of, a lot of praying um, and a lot of, um, and a lot of just talking to other foster families um, and some foster kids um, and some kids, some biological kids of foster families. And, um, and so just to really kind of figure out like, Yes, that is, it is so important for us to get attached. Um, and yes, we will get attached, but our pain is short-term um, with hopefully what we consider to be a, a, a kingdom investment, right? So we've got some short-term grief, um, you know, even as even as our little ones leave our family just a couple of weeks ago, you know, there was definitely grief when they left, but, um, but knowing that they left knowing Jesus and knowing who he was. And they came into our home with no, never heard the name of Jesus. And um, yeah. so that for us was really, it was worth, we decided that that kingdom investment was worth some short-term grief um, and making, and making that connection as adults 
and um, to, to a child and really experiencing that. Yeah, that's really important. You guys embrace the short-term grief. Uh, for someone who hasn't walked through that yet, what does that look like? I mean, I think you agree. I mean, you know, we, uh, you, you make them part of your family. You love them like they're your own. Um, I don't, you know, everyone's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know that you can do that any other way. And I don't think you do it. I don't think Bobby or I, or our, even our child does it through our own strength. I think we rely solely on the Holy spirit, um, and figuring out just how you, how you deal with that, but you do, I mean, you bring them into your home. They're part of your family and, uh, and you wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, it's important for them to feel that connection and for them to have that stability in our home. Um, but then you do, it's a, it's a, it's a grief and a gladness, right? Cause you want to be glad for them to get reunited. Um, you know, we were, we had really in keeping them for 10 months, which is, is a long time. Um, we, we weren't sure which way we were going to go. And, you know, Bobby and I both said either way, there's hardship, right? Like there's hardship if they stay with us and having that pain of like, well, what, you know, why didn't this happen or why didn't this happen? But then also there's, there's grief if they leave us and just, you know, we, we don't get to be with them. And so, um, there is, uh, but there's a, there's a gladness that they're, you know, reunited with their family. And even though that's probably not an easy road, so we're just really in that process of making sure that we can support that biological mother to the best of our abilities. Um, and so that they make that, that transition successful. But I think you, you get attached and then you, and then you, you grieve, but you also are glad. So it's that grief and gladness together. Yeah. I, I like that. Two things can be true at the same time, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, how about we go back to a little bit of a, maybe a beginning with this. It's like, how did it feel to discover all of the nuances of foster care? <laughs> it is a, it's an eternal path of discovery. <laughs> uh, it really is. We were, we were very thankful um, for our agency. I, I will say that. Um, and, uh, walking us through that, I, Bobby and I both commented, um, over and over again, that we provided less documentation to like have a biological child, um, yes. and buy a house than we did, than we yep. did to, uh, to raise someone else's kids. So, um, but, uh. but really the, the training was helpful. We went through, you know, the, all the training and, um, and really just, you don't even, they dropped off the first kids and we, you don't know what to ask. You don't, you know, not like now when we, uh, now we have lots more questions, right? We, we know what to ask. We have some more direct questions and, um, and just really, I think, I think the biggest revelation for me was like, you're taking these kids and you, and you, they're brought to you by somebody that really doesn't know much about them at all. Um, and so, you're just, it's kind of a path of discovery as you discover, uh, we had younger kids, so they didn't really speak. And, um, and so it's not like they could tell you their story. So you, you really do, you know, through countless paperwork and court sessions and things like that, you discover and you can piece together their journey, um, and to see how God has woven, you know, woven the fabric of their life together. That's beautiful. 
is there uh, anything, Bobby, uh, about the the trainings or anything that you had to walk through that kind of surprised you? Um, I think yeah, it was all surprising. I think, like Stephanie said, I felt like I had to go back to school for an associate's degree. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, okay, we finished that class. Now here's another class and another class, and they're all useful. And I'm glad we went to them because they're they're helpful. But uh, anybody that's listening that's thinking about becoming a foster parent, um, it's it's a lot, but it's worth it. So just don't get discouraged yeah. because I know I got discouraged a few times thinking another class, I, how many classes? And uh, so, but like I said, it's a, there's a lot of stuff you have to do. And that was what surprised me. Like Stephanie said, I think we filled out less paperwork when we bought our house. And so, but yeah, it's it's a lot but it's worth it and so just don't get discouraged if you're thinking about fostering just keep moving forward and you know you don't have to do it all in a week you can take a couple of months and just get through it and it's worth it yeah that's i think in our head good encouragement sorry i think in our head no, we would like it. sign up and get kids like like because like, yeah. if you don't know you don't know so it's like and um and Olivia from TVHC said, oh, well, you know, we're going to, we've got seven steps. And I'm like, oh, okay. Seven steps, not a big deal. And, you know, you get through the first one and you're like, oh, okay. No. So I said, I said, well, our goal is to have kids before like August. And she was like, well, if we work really hard, we can do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. But if you don't know, you know, I really did. I think Bobby and I both thought, cause we had prayed we'd gone to that meeting and then we had prayed for six months about like, God, are you sure? Like, is this really what you've called us to do? Um, and so I told Bobby, I said, we maybe could have done our steps while we were praying. Um, because by the time we had said, yes, we were ready for kids and, uh, but we needed, yeah. we, we needed to work through the process. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's cool. Uh, it, it's really funny too. Some of the things that have to do with fostering curious if if you can think of something specific training never prepares you for i um i would say just the different uh so our kids came to us and were immediately sick <laughs> and um and i mean like had like a plethora of things um and so it was it really like, you know, we had come from both, um, having corporate jobs and private, you know, private healthcare and really the, the insurance, um, and just the doctor network, it was so much easier than I ever thought it could have been. Um, you know, I mean, we call, we use the, the race foster clinic and, um, at children's in Dallas and they were just phenomenal. Um, and just like, oh, they, they need this. Here's this, here's this, you need this, like writing down everything. Cause you know, you, okay, well, I, I can't give them this over the counter medicine. And they're like, no, but you can, my name, you know, my name is Mandy and you can write this on your paperwork. And now you can give your child this amount of medicine. And, um, they were just fabulous. Um, and I don't think anybody could have prepared me for just, um, that process because it's just so different than what we have with like our biological child. I have to wait for a doctor to 
you know, have an appointment and like here you just like, oh no, bring him like this just arms wide open. Like that floored me how easy it was. And it also just um like I didn't know. I didn't know if we paid for medical insurance. Like if we like when I went to the doctor, like I had, you know, like checkbook, credit card, like every because you don't, you don't know. And they're like, oh no, yeah. you're, you're good. You're we're about it, you're parking, you're good to go. Can can we help you out to the car? You know, um, I mean they were just I, I don't know that the training really could ever prepare you for the amount of support that you're going to get from um, some of the other partners that we have um, in things. Also, don't know that it prepares you for the amount of paperwork, but, <laughs> but it's tough. It's tough to explain, isn't it? Yeah. That would be what that would be what I would say surprised me the most so yeah i think um what surprised me was we learned about how you have to document things and kind of child proof your house which we did with our biological daughter but nobody was monitoring us with our biological daughter and so when uh our caseworker would come they're like oh, well, you don't have this locked or that locked and, you know, and they're, they're always helpful, you know, and so it's, it would just amaze me, even though we thought we had everything tightened up and was running a tight ship, it was like, oh my gosh, we didn't have that done or that done, and so it's just, um, you think you're prepared, but you're not, and then, so, <laughs> we were just thankful that we had a good caseworker that was able to help us make sure that we had everything, you know, where it was supposed to be and that we were documenting everything correctly. What we haven't said is, you know, TBHC is your agency. So it's really great to hear that. I mean, our caseworkers, especially our caseworkers, our directors and everybody, we're for your success. You know, when TBHC comes knocking, it's not trying to say, hey, you you haven't done this, you haven't done this, shame on you. It's, hey, you haven't done this, you need to, don't forget about this. It's the encouragement aspect. So that's, that's so good to hear. You talked about support a second ago, and it's always one of those questions I love asking. What supports do you need uh, outside of you, outside of your home, outside of the two of you? Because so many people come into this and they're like, well, if I got... I got him or I got her and we're going to do this together. And it's, it's not you, it's a village. So I will say we, um, we consider TBHC to be part of our village. Our, um, is Sarah, the director of the Bedford office. I mean, is, I had her on speed dial for the first, you know, like three weeks. Um, still often talk to her a lot more than she probably wants to. Um, but, um, but on top of that, I mean, just like we have developed, like from our families, um, both of our families, we made sure that they were on board. But I mean, just that bond, like it was important for our littles to see um, like that. Oh, well, this is this was my mom and this is my dad. And we had that bond. And, you know, and for them to create that bond, um, our little boy called my dad Pops, Popses. 
Um, the rest of the rest of the grandkids call him Pops, but he called him Popses. And and I mean, like it's just like it's it's adorable. And so now they all call him. Um, you know, and so I mean that I think that just like we get connected, they get connected. Um, you're gonna need a date night. Like you're just going to need somebody to be like, hey, I can't uh we're done. I'm done. And I need you to watch, you know, I need you to watch the kids. And so uh, you need those babysitters and those respite workers. And I think one of the things that like, we really learned perhaps a little <laughs> farther down the journey than some um, was that you still want to really uh, like foster that relationship with your biological child. And so Bobby does a lot with our, with Ella they love to camp. Um, and so for them to go and do that and for us to have, you know, some certain times together, just so that they, you know, she's sharing everything. She's sharing her house, her family, her cousins, her mom, her dad, you know, her car yeah. seat, every, all of her toys. Um, and so really giving her that one-on-one attention. And so you want, you want time to do that, but in order to do that, um, you know, you, you need those people and, we had a great community group that brought dinner. Um, we, you know, we, well, I was talking about God's timing is perfect, but he has a sense of humor. And um, so we got our first placement and I, uh, we got them on a Wednesday and I went out of town on Sunday. Um, and so, so um, our respite workers came in right away. And my mom and my sister um, were here with Bobby the first like four days that um, nonstop. And so you need you need those people that can step in because your life, your life doesn't stop. You just are incorporating, you know, another, another couple of beings with you. And so uh, we still had corporate responsibilities and, um, and other stuff. And so we had, uh, you know, we had church members that brought, um, you know, that brought dinner. We had, it, it just was, you're going to need help. Um, I mean, I don't know. We, you know, they, you know, our, our guideline said you need four babysitters. I now looking back, like I was just telling somebody last week that is, is looking at fostering. I'm like, get eight, like develop eight people. <laughs> like You don't think you're going to need them, but I promise you, like, there's going to be some, so like, I want to go to the grocery store and I don't want to take any of my kids and you need somebody that's allowed to come sit with them. Um, and so, I mean, our village is, you know, our families were really excited and on board. And I think that made it so much easier because kids with trauma are just different. And, um, and so like family dinners look different. And, uh, I remember we had a birthday right away and my mom was like, well, um, your niece wants to go to this restaurant. And I was like, immediately, I mean, if you could, I could feel the fear just taking our, cause we had a a one-year-old and a two-year-old and our biological child to a restaurant in a public place. And, you know, we weren't, we had not been taught table manners. And, um, and so, you know, you need your family. That's like, Hey, we'll sit with the kids. We'll catch the dinner rolls as they throw them. It's going to be fine. Um, you know, you, you lose all sense of decorum at some point, but, um, you, you're, you're going to need so many more people than what you think you're going to need, but you also have, like at the same time, like you need all these people, but also like we had the most amazing people that I didn't know that we would need. Um, so we had a, I've, at one point I counted, we had a team of 13 people, professional people that were helping us um, 
develop speech and occupational therapists and play therapists and pediatricians and psychologists. And I mean, all these things. And at one point I looked at Bobby and I said, how did we raise a child without all this support? I mean, but we somehow she's managed to be, you know, in a thriving young child, but, um, but we, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the support that you get on that side is instrumental just probably as much as our villages. Mm-hmm. You guys embody so much of the courage to say yes to uh, incredible requests. And let's, let's dig into maybe one of the first big challenging yeses you did, which was a placement. Yeah. A, a TBHC called and said, Hey, we, we have this placement uh, that we think would be a good fit for you. And we were like, okay. And she said, we had said that we wanted to go in birth order. And, um, and so we knew that we would probably get in my mind, we would get a four-year-old and like a two-year-old. Um, and so the two littles that we, that they were calling about were 11 months apart. They had been in care since they were both four months old, um, and had really bounced around a lot. And, um, and my first thought was I had a little SUV, which would have been fine for, you know, three children. Um, cause it's, but it wasn't okay for three car seats. We knew from just play dates that you could not put three car seats in this. And so I immediately called Bobby and I said, Hey, um, we're going to need to get a suburban and we need it by Wednesday when we get these kids. <laughs> and so, uh, Monday morning we went and uh, we bought the only Suburban in the Dallas Fort Worth area because this was, you know, during the end of the pandemic when there wasn't, there was yep. not cars available. And, um, <clears throat> and so, because we needed, uh, we needed more space for car seats are big, especially when you have a one-year-old and a two-year-old and one that's still our, um, our biological child is tiny. And so she was still in a full on car seat and I'm like, we're going to have three car seats. And, you know, we also have nieces and nephews and stuff that we take with us. And so, um, we, we went, so that was our first, that was our first big, like, aha of, okay, wait, we need to be able to like go somewhere as a family together, um, without taking multiple vehicles. <laughs> so that had you. Yeah, how'd you feel getting a car, Bobby? Um, I wasn't too thrilled about it, but <laughs> what, what he's not telling you is that when he looked at me and he said, I thought the suburban would be big enough, but maybe it's not. Um, and he said, I think maybe I should have bought you an RV. And so, and he was like, and I was ready for him to be like annoyed with me, but he wasn't, he was truly being serious because he just saw like how much stuff. How much stuff you need yeah for that and so anyway it's uh it, life is different it, and I think that that's it for people that are listening though that's not every that's not every foster child right we just happen to get a two-year-old and a one-year-old and so that's mm-hmm. that, you know, that was just kind of that we're 11 months apart so they were basically twins and um and so when you get when you get those babies they need a lot of stuff yeah yeah they do <laughs> How do you feel as you you have chaos in your home? You have a busy lifestyle right now. You have multiple kids in and out sometimes. How do you feel as compared to before fostering? 
think it's just the normal now. It's kind of like um kind of like the pandemic at first. You're you're thinking, I don't want to stay home all day. And then after a while, you're like, this is kind of nice. Just I don't have to I don't have to get up and take a shower and get dressed. I can just log on my computer and go to work. And uh, it's just normal now. And, um, you know, our placements, like we said, left a couple of weeks ago. And now our house is really quiet with just our biological daughter. And so now that's weird. It's kind of like when we eventually went back to the office, it was kind of weird going back to the office and seeing people and getting used to getting up earlier and having to commute again and you got used to you know all the restrictions and then it's the same way with with this like now it's weird to not have kids at the house and so it's quiet and sometimes it's kind of nice it's like oh wow it's nice and peaceful but but then you miss the kids too and so yeah. it's like I just I just think that the first couple of weeks is so chaotic because you're trying to make sure you have everything the kids need and you're trying to make sure you're you know trying to make everybody feel welcome and then before you know it you're just into a routine and it's just normal everyday life. Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, Donor Engagement Manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about 1,000 willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them, or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of bringing kids home. Yeah. We were sitting down with somebody that we wanted to take on this challenge with you. What do you think you'd say to them? No, it's just say kind of like Nike, just do it. <laughs> it's like I said earlier, it's tough. Nice. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. I would I would never sugarcoat it. It it's hard. It, it's worth it and so i would say just do it if you if you feel like that's something that you're called to do and you're kicking the tires around just trust in the lord and what you have what he's placed on your heart and just go for it i would agree with that i would um my advice would be don't judge the um don't judge if you can do this or if you can't do this in the first 90 days like the first three weeks are, um, they're just chaotic and a little crazy. And there's a lot of doctor's appointments and there's just a lot of deciding like, you know, I, when you brought home your first child, your newborn, right. It, it took you some time to adapt to that. And that newborn didn't know anything else. And so 
these kids, when they come in their home, in your home, they do know other things. And some of them come from really hard places and they know hard things, not just like, you know, easy things. And so it takes a while to get to know each other and to settle in. And we had had our, our littles, um, probably, I don't know, maybe three months. We probably had them about three months and, um, long enough for them to know how to be obnoxious, um, on purpose. And, um, and they were in, it was time to go to bed and they were in, uh, when they, when we got them, they were two and one and they were very, they did not do much other than sing. And, um, and so someone had told me like, Hey, the, it's really important that can like consistent structure is super important. And so, um, you know, I was like, okay, so I mean, we listened to the same playlist on the way to school every day we did, like, we had very specific things that we did. And, um, and that was unintentional. I mean, it was intentional in the structure, but the byproduct was that they learned those songs really quickly because they heard them all the time. And so one of the songs that they heard was Waymaker, And so it was time for them to go to bed they were in their room and, uh, the little girl was in the crib and the little boy was in the bunk bed and they were in there. And at the top of their lungs, they were just singing Waymaker, miracle worker. My God, that is who you are. And they were trying so hard to be obnoxious. And I just sat outside of their room and cried because they did not know that um, a few months earlier. And you can't, and I think when you're that little and you plant that big of a seed, you can't pull that, right? Like that's with them for forever. And, um, and so I think you have to hold on to those moments with, to get you through the crazy, um, and the chaos, but at the end of the day, it is not right. Like why we do this is not for earthly gain. Uh, our, our hope and our desire is that we have brought each one of these kids that have been into our home to the feet of Jesus. And, um, and I know, you know, with our, with our two littles that that was definitely the case. And, um, we just had another little couple kids with us for nine days. And I know that they, you know, that, that they knew, they, they knew things about Jesus when they left, um, that they didn't know when they got here. And so I think it's made us more intentional as parents, cause you don't know how long you're going to have them. And so like for us, um, our biological daughter knows that like on the way to school, we worship Jesus. And so, and we do that with intention of like, we're going to start our day with Jesus so that we know that our littles can start their day with Jesus. And so I think you become more intentional, but you, you just, the benefit of, of pouring into foster kids, I think really just shows you a new side of, of God and, um, that you don't see otherwise. Absolutely. I'll tell you, uh, when you say intentionality, my phraseology for that urgent parenting is what foster parenting is because we're desperately trying to get kids ready to tie their shoes, be able to dress themselves to kind of keep up with their own hygiene because eventually they're going to be doing that all by themselves. And we don't know how long we have to make that investment. It's so critical to have intentionality in what we do. Yes, it does. Uh, I think we are better parents to our biological child um, because of what we are forced to do when fostering children. And so, because there's not an option with fostering kids, but um, 
but with our biological child, we are much more intentional, even with her, about what we do when we do it and what we say yes to, um, and making sure that our yes is really, it's a yes that's for her, for, for her best. Yeah. Well, what is something you wish everyone knew about foster care? It is not as hard as you think it is, and you can do it. Um, it's not, Bobby said it, right? It's it's not easy, um, and you can't do it alone. It can be a huge commitment because you can keep a child for forever, right? But also, there's such a huge need for just people that get licensed to keep kids for just like, hey, we had a death in the family. We need somebody for four days, or we need somebody for seven days while we do this. I mean, there's just... Um, those short-term, I call them short-term yeses um, versus a long-term yes. Like there's so much, there's such a need for those short-term yeses um, in the foster, in the foster system that I think if more people said yes to short-term foster care, that short-term yes, then it makes it to where people that are willing to do long-term yeses can do it for longer. Um, And, you know, and it's not as exhausting. Um, but so I would say, yes, get your, just because you say, yes, I'm going to become a licensed foster home doesn't mean that you're going to have a placement right away. And it doesn't mean that you have to keep that placement for forever. Um, there's lots of levels that you can say yes to. And, um, even if it's, that's, if that's just a 72 hour babysitter, um, which is very little paperwork. <laughs> so that's what I wish people, I, I wish I would have known that because I think that we could have said yes a lot sooner. Um, even as we were praying about God, what is our long-term plan here? What, you know, the, the short-term plan could be this and then God, what's your long-term plan for us? No, that's what I was going to say is I, I would like people to know that you can just be a respite worker, a like Stephanie said, babysitter, because there are people that have kids that are in their home for, like in our case, 10 months. And, you know, we're still human. We still need to go on a date and spend time with our spouse. And if you don't have anybody to leave the kids with, you can't do that. And so luckily for us, our parents all got licensed to be babysitters and our siblings Stephanie's sister and my brother's families and so we had that support system but there's other people that don't and so you can be a a respite worker or a babysitter and still still help maybe you don't maybe you don't feel like you're ready to be a you know a full-time foster parent but you still feel like you want to contribute and that's the one way that you can do that is support other families Absolutely. We all can do something. Right. Yeah. Uh, is there anything left unsaid that y'all like to share? It's an immense joy, I think. And it is, uh, it's hard, but it is, it's joyful. And it is, uh, it really has changed our perspective on trusting God for, um, for things and, and getting to watch him work out all the intricate details of, of, everything because you're adding these kids and it changes your life. And so, but, you know, working out daycare solutions and, um, 
and schedules and things that you really do get to see God be faithful in so many ways that you, I, I don't think you get to see that at that level. Um, if you don't, if, if you don't say yes to being the hands and feet of Jesus. Very powerful. Thank you both so much for being on today and sharing, um, I mean, really a glimpse into your hearts. It means a whole lot. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.